Exodus 4. Verse 11. You know, God appeared to him to the burning bush and God is saying, you know, He's going to send him to deliver the Israelites out of Egypt. And verse 11. But Moses said to God, Who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the Israelites out of Egypt? Who am I? You know, if you have depended on the values of the world, you have depended on position, wealth, your, your, your performance, and, and, and authority and power and so on. You know, you have depended on this to, to ascertain who you are. And now you have lost everything. You will feel exactly like what Moses has described about himself. He said, who am I? I'm a nobody. How can I go and deliver the nation of Israel? You know, so, so can you see the effect of our past experience? How it affected us? And, and as a result, we just live out of that, uh, that uh, uh, self-image that we have, you know, that we carry within ourselves. And, and when we have a wrong self-image, you realize when God begins to speak to him, you know the story, the excuses that he gave, you know, and he say, well, if I go, the nation of Israel wouldn't listen to me, uh, if, uh, and, and uh, Pharaoh was, wouldn't listen to me, and, and he have excuses after excuses and after excuses. He refused to do and obey what God wants him to do. And in church, in our life, have you been giving excuses? You know that this is what God wants. This is what we should do as Christians. This is what, you know, how we should minister and reach out to others. But somehow we find a lot of excuses. Just like Moses did. And in fact, if you just examine those excuses, you examine the excuses that Moses gave. You know, the problem was not Pharaoh. The problem was not the, 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 the Hebrews. The problem was himself because of his low perception about who he is. A nobody, a failure, a useless person. That's how he see, you know, he saw himself uh, in, in, in a wilderness. And, and, and that's why he cannot go. He cannot go. And he gave excuses. And God begins to, to change his mindset. In fact, God was very angry with him when he kept on and on, you know, giving excuses why he cannot. And finally, God had to say to him, Moses, look, who is the one who gives you the ability to speak? I'm the one who gives you the ability to speak. I'm the one who will empower you to do what I want you to do. You know, stop giving excuses. Just... Just look to me, okay? And uh, uh, you'll be able to do what I, I want you to do. Okay, so that's what we need to do, right? We need to look to God rather than look at our uh, deficiency, our weaknesses, and so on. God knows. So we need to look to Him and see that God is with us, God is sending us, God is calling us, and He will give us the, the power and the ability to accomplish what He wants us to do, rather than look at ourselves, look at what we don't have, and give all sorts of excuses. Right? So God wanted us to see our self-worth based on His calling. Chapter 3, verse 10. 3, verse 10. So now, go, I am sending you to Pharaoh to bring my people, the Israelites, out of Egypt. Okay, we have to look at ourselves, you know, uh, from the perspective that God is sending us. We are representing Him. And then to, we have to look at ourselves by His presence with us. Verse 14 of chapter 3. God said to Moses, I am who I am. This is what you are to say to the Israelites. I am has sent me to you. So God said that he's, he's with him, he's sending him, and that's how Moses should look at uh, himself. 
And then to chapter 4, verse 3, the Lord said to Moses, throw that rod, that stuff, onto the ground. Moses threw it on the ground, and it became a snake, and he ran from it. Okay, so God is saying, hey, I've given you authority. I'm the one who gives you authority. So you're able to do what I want you to do, right? My power is in you. Verse 11, the Lord said to him, Who gave man his mouth? Who makes him deaf or mute? Who gives him sight or make him blind? Is it not I, the Lord? Now go, I will help you speak and will teach you what to say. Okay, so we are to look to God to ascertain our identity in God, you know, because He's the one who called us, He's the one who created us, He's the one who is with us, He's the one who has given us ability. Right? So sometimes we, we need to come under a little bit of pressure to, in order to change. Some of us, we are so reluctant and so resistant to change, just like Moses was. But God didn't let him go. God kept pressing on and pressing on until Moses got the truth. So Moses had an encounter with God through the burning bush and he had to have an encounter with the truth. The truth is God is sending him. God is, God is giving him the ability and authority. That's the truth. Okay? So we need an encounter with God as well as with God's truth so that we can take on a new identity. And sometimes that comes to pressure. Pressure. So if you let people go off very easily and they say, well, I cannot do it. If you just let them go off, they will remain like that. Right? But God did not. God was persistent. So that Moses received the truth. Moses got the truth. And that's how finally Moses went and, and, and did what God wanted him to do. You know, the changes that take place once Moses knew about himself, who he really is, did you know he confronted God later on? God said, I'm going to destroy the nation of Israel because of their uh, stubbornness and persistent rebellions. And Moses confronted God. Moses said, God, you must not do it. If you do that, you know, the nations around will just laugh and say, you know, this God has led the nation of Israel out of Egypt and, and, and to destroy them in the wilderness. And God changed his mind because of Moses. So can you see the tremendous change that takes place in Moses' life? Now he dared to confront God. Whereas previously he said, who am I? You know, he, 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 was not, he dared not even to confront Pharaoh. But a change, a change in how he see himself is self-image that causes him to even dare to confront God and God listened to him. Okay, so Moses based his self-image in the system, the values of this world, the system of Egypt. Okay, and uh, when he lost that, he lost everything. He didn't know who he was. And then to, uh, the Jews, the nation of Israel, they base their self-image on their past painful experience. Past painful experience as slaves. Some of us, we have past painful experience. And as a result of those experiences, you know, we, we begin to look down on ourselves. We begin to feel so unworthy. We begin to feel that, well, we, just, we are just not competent enough to do to great things. So that was the nation of Israel. They have been slaves in Egypt. Their great-great-grandfather for almost 400 years. They've been slaves. Suffering tremendous humili humiliation and, and pain and, and so on. So now, as a result of those painful experiences, we know how, how did they look at themselves. They see themselves as grasshoppers. Grasshoppers. So insignificant, so weak, so, you know, uh, just, just can't face, face up to the challenge that, that there is. And you will realize that 
that if you have a low self-esteem and uh, a negative image about yourself, when somebody were to talk something that is in agreement with how you feel, you like to listen to those things. The Jews, that's how they look at themselves. So when the ten spies came back and give, gave them the bad report, immediately they agreed. They said, no, we must not go in. You see? Because what the ten spies, the report of that ten spies, ring the bell in their hearts. That's exactly how they feel. And so they agreed. So that's why you, you see people of the same kind. When they gather together, they talk, 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 talk. They agree with one another because they all talk negative. And they all enjoy it. They all like it. But if you have a different self-image, you know, and when people were to talk like that, you just feel that, well, that's not me. Count me out. Right? So Joshua and Caleb, they are different. They knew who they, who, who, who they are in God. Because they have gone through the same experience as the, as the Jews, but they, also, they have also seen God's miraculous uh, uh, signs and wonders while delivering them out of Egypt. And as a result, they, they have a change. They encounter God. They have a change of their, their mindset, their perception about who they are. They begin to identify themselves with God. They begin to see that they are the people of God. Uh, and they begin to see how mighty and strong they are because of God. But the nation of Israel, their past, uh, the, the, the rest of the Jews, their past painful experience to them was so painful that they keep looking back at those painful experiences. They keep focusing on those experiences. And so they remain the same, just like grasshoppers. And that's how they live their life, you know, as grasshoppers. And uh, they never enter into the promised land. So can you see a negative self-image, a wrong self-image about yourself can destroy your future in God. Even though God may have a great plan for you, but you just cannot enter in because your perception and as a result, how you live does not match with what God has planned. And you miss the plan and purpose of God. But Joshua and Caleb, they are different. They are different because they saw God. They have an encounter with God. You know, you can see a miracles and not, encounter, not have an encounter with God. The Jews did. The Hebrews did. They go through the same miracles. That is, that is really, you know, that would really blow our mind if we were to see those miracles. And yet somehow they miss the revelation, you know, through those through those experience about who God is, and, and, and they remain, you know, just defeated. And and those people with negative self image, they like to blame people. You see the nation of Israel, they like to blame blame Moses. They blame God for for bringing them out of Egypt. And uh, they always look back. They want to go back. They rather go back to where they were. They are more comfortable in Egypt. Even though when they are in Egypt, they cry, they, they complain about the suffering. But they are more comfortable in that sort of environment rather than facing the new challenge of moving on to the promised land. So some people, they, they, they refuse to move away from where they were. They rather stay there. Okay, so, so they agree with one, one another. They have a pity party. You know, people like to talk negative and, and they just uh, have a pity party and, and stay where they were. They don't want to come out of that, that sort of environment. And, uh, but but uh, their experience in the present time may have nothing to do with reality. You know, some people, they say, oh, you know, they, they talk about how they are feeling and what they're experiencing now. But the truth is, this is not true. They were living of the past. This has nothing to do with their present reality. The present reality is God is with them. God is protecting them. That's a present reality. But they were living in the past because of their self, wrong self-image. They're just projecting you know, their, how they look at themselves 
to the present. And, and the reality of the situation is this. Let me read to you Deuteronomy. If you have your Bible, you can turn to it. Deuteronomy chapter 2. Verse 25. This very day, I will begin to put the terror and fear of you on all the nations under heaven. They will hear reports of you and will tremble and be in anguish. Because of you. Can you imagine the miracles, the, the, you know, how God delivered the nation of Israel? They were, they were out of this world. It blows every people's mind. And the, the mighty Egyptian, the Egyptian empire, they were mighty, they were strong. And how they were just wiped off because of God. And those news begins to spread to the neighboring nations. It begins to spread into the land of Canaan. And everyone who heard the news, they were trembling, including the giants, the descendants of Anna. When they heard those, those, those news, they were also trembling because they realized no matter how strong they are, how, how big size they, they were, they were no match to the God of the Jews. You know? The miracles, how can you match those things? They are supernatural, they are so mighty. So every nation was trembling, they, they were trembling because they heard that the Jews were, were brought out of Egypt and, and they had to move on. And they were just thinking, you know, when would these Jews come to our land? And when they were to come here, we would be finished. And so everyone's trembling. That's the reality. That's the reality. But the Jews, because of their wrong self-image, they say we are grasshoppers in our own eyes. We are also, we also look the same to them. You see? Their perception, their projection of their wrong self-image onto, onto how people will look at them is far from reality. It's not true. So a lot of people are living not in reality. They are talking things which are not true. It's the, it's the projection of what they feel inside. Okay? So it's important when somebody brings you a negative report, you've got to discern. Are they talking about themselves and blaming other people for looking and talking about them in that way, which, which may not be true. You see, if people, somebody are just talking there and you just walk in and they stop talking, what do you think? What do you think? What do you think? They are talking about me, right? You see? Because you, you don't like yourself. You don't like people to talk about you. You know something inside. And so you project it onto them and say they talk about you. Do you know they could be talking about their husband? They don't want you to know how bad is your husband? Nothing to do with you. Right? They could be talking about other things. They, they don't want you to know. But you project that they are talking some bad things about you. You see? Uh, so th that's, that's how the Jews... Behave. And, and that's not the reality. The reality is the nations are trembling. They're worried. You know, when, when would the Jews come? Okay. And uh, so the Jews, they were affected by the past painful experience. And that's how they look at themselves. You know, how their self-image was formed through those painful experiences uh, of the past. And uh, God wanted to change it. And God did change Caleb and Joshua when they begin to see God and really know God. So can you see the, the importance of encountering God? 
the importance of knowing God's truth will, will be able to help us to free us from those uh, uh, negative self-image that we have. All right. The other person that we want to talk about is Gideon, Judges 6. Gideon. Right, Gideon allowed his circumstances to determine who he is. Okay, Gideon allowed his circumstances to determine who he is. Remember we talked about uh, Moses, he allowed the worldly system to determine you know, his worth. The Jews allowed their past painful experience to determine who they are. And then Gideon allowed their, his circumstances to determine who he is. So during the time uh, when Gideon lived, because the nation of Israel has turned against God, so God allowed the Midianites to come and uh, invade their land, raid the place, whatever, whenever they plan, uh, when it's time to harvest, after they have harvested, then the, the Midianites know about this. They will come and raid the place and, and take everything away. So Gideon was dwelling in this kind of environment, this kind of circumstances. And of course, he was suffering. He was really suffering because of it. So Gideon begins to perceive himself or the, 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 the nation of Israel as weak, you know, not able to defend themselves, and uh, it's just, they are just born loser, right? It's just unfortunate now they are born in this sort of environment, born in this nation, they are just born loser. You know, some of us, maybe we're born in a certain type of family, and uh, it's, it's poor, it's terrible, broken maybe, and so in your heart, you just felt that, well, I'm a born loser. You know, I wish I, 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 I'm born in the other family. You know, then my life would be so good. But now, what can I do? I'm born in this sort of environment. And, and that's, that's it. So Gideon's uh, uh, goal in life is just to survive. You know, what can you do in this sort of environment? Whenever you have something... The enemy would come. So Gideon was hiding away in a wine press, trying to 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 uh, crush the, the the wheat and and get some flour so that he can make some food to eat. He's just hiding. He's just hoping that nobody notices. He can just survive another day. That was his future. If you are a born loser, that's what you live for. That's what you. That's what you can hope for, just to survive another day. And that's it. But while he was doing this, he had an encounter with God, with the angel of God. And in verse 12 of Judges 6, when the angel of the Lord appeared to Gideon, he said, the Lord is with you, mighty warrior. The Lord is with you. Mighty warrior. Can you see how God look at us? He look at us so differently from how we look at ourselves. We look at ourselves basing on our ability. We look at ourselves basing on our past achievement, our family background, the things that we have, and so on. That's how we base ourselves. And Gideon has none of those quali- qualifications. And so he looked down on himself and, and, and he despised himself. He just, he just aimed for survival. But God said to Gideon, you are a mighty warrior. The Lord is with you. Mighty warrior. I mean, if somebody were to tell us that we are going to accomplish great things when all we see is just defeat, and misery. How do you react? Well, you can take it as some guys trying to comfort you 
Or you can took offense and say, hey, please don't insult me. Right? Because I know I'm not like that. Look at me. Look at my situation. That's exactly what Gideon said. Gideon said, but sir, if the Lord is with us, why has all this happened to us? Where are all His wonders that our fathers told us about when they said, did not the Lord bring us up out of Egypt? But now, the Lord has abandoned us and put us into the hand of Medians. So Gideon, uh, Gideon protested and said, no, that's not true. Look at the reality. Look at the situation. Look at what we are going through now. Oh, we, we heard about God. He was great in the past, but not anymore. He has abandoned us. But why would God said, uh, say to Gideon, you're a mighty warrior? You know, when Gideon was just a weak young man, never fought a battle, having such unhealthy, defeated mindset. You know what? God was giving him a sharp treatment to wake him up, to help him to see who he really is in God. And that's why I say, God said, the Lord is with you. Mighty warrior. Now sometimes we really can't see God. But it doesn't mean that He's not there. You know, we really can't understand, just like Gideon, you was saying, you know, if God is with us, how come? Right? We don't tempt God. Remember Satan came to tempt Jesus and say, well, you jump down. If you are the son of God, he promised that he's going to have angels to catch hold of you so that you won't crash your bone. Jesus said, you know, we must not tempt God. We must not base on our experience, you know, what we are going to to determine who we are. No. We must look at ourselves as God sees us. And God look at Gideon and God say, you are a mighty warrior. You are a mighty warrior. So Gideon begins to, to continue to, to argue with God. The Lord turned to him and said, go in the strength you have and save Israel out of Midian's hand. Am I not sending you? Gideon replied, but Lord, how can I save Israel? My claim is the weakest in Manasseh and I'm the least in my family. The Lord answered, I will be with you and you will strike down all the Midianites together. God said something very significant. God said to Gideon, you go in the strength you have. Go in the strength you have. But Gideon, what strength does he have? He's so weak. He's never fought a battle. He's not a general. He's not a soldier. What strength does he have? He say, my clan, my tribes, you know, I'm the, the smallest of them all. What qualification do I have? Nothing. I'm not qualified. But God said, go in the strength that you have. He said, because I am sending you, I am with you. You know, the key to know who we are is not in our ability that we know. It's not in what we have done, what we have achieved. It's not in our family background or anything. The key to know who we really are is to know who is our God. Who is our God? And He's with us. He's sending us. Okay? So, so that was what uh, God said to Gideon. Go in the strength you have and save, out of, uh, save Israel out of Midian's hand. Am I not sending you? So tonight, how do we look at ourselves? We really need to have an encounter with God and know who is our God. Know that He is with us. You know, who you are is not what you sense or see in yourself. You know, we could see weakness. We could see, well, you know, our credential is nothing. But we need to believe what God said about us. 
Gideon had to believe what God said about him. Mighty warrior. He feels so different. He feels just the opposite. But that doesn't matter. Tonight, it's not how you feel about yourself. You may feel rotten. You may feel weak. You may feel that you're not worthy. You may feel all sort of negative feeling. But tonight, what is God saying about you? Who are you? That's, that's important. Once you can believe that, then you will begin to live out that life. But if you don't believe, you're just going to live according to your perceived self-image. As a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. See, so tonight, the key is to have an encounter with God. Maybe more than an encounter. Not just once. Jacob needed few times. You know, so maybe we need to encounter, but each time, each encounter brings us nearer and closer to who we really are, the revelation of who we are. Okay? So, so Gideon believed God. So what is God saying to him? You know, go in the strength that you have. God is saying, believe in yourself. Go in the strength you have. Be confident about who you are. Believe in yourself. That's why last night, you know, I, I, I said, you know, previously we, we find it so, so odd if we were to say, as Christians, we believe in ourselves. We feel that that's not right. We should just believe in God and trust in God and we cannot trust ourselves. But that's not true. God wants us to believe and have self-confidence. God said, Gideon, go in the strength you have. Be confident. Go. Because God is with you. Right. So that was Gideon. He allowed God to deal with him. And in fact, if you know the story, he really struggled. He really cannot take it. And even with the encounter with God, he knew he's the angel of God, yet he still cannot take it. He still cannot believe. So what happened is Gideon said, hey, if, if you're from God, you, you just stay here. If this is from God, just stay here. Let me just go and, 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 and bring a sacrifice, beg a cake, and come and offer it on the altar, if, if that's from God. So Gideon wanted confirmation, because he still cannot take those words. But he was real. He was real. He genuinely wanted to believe. But he found that it's just too much for him to believe. So he continued to pursue, continued to get a confirmation that, that will convince him that he's really a mighty warrior. It's really God speaking to him. And uh, so he allowed God to deal with him and he seek the confirmation. Some of us, we have doubts about what God says, but we never pursue it further. We never continue to pursue after God and say, God, confirm it to me. You know, because I'm still struggling. I still can't believe. You know, prove it to me. You know, persistently. Come in before God and be real with God. Because if we do, God, God will speak to us. God will confirm what He says. Because He's a good God. He wants us to help us, to, 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 to release us into what He has for us. And Gideon was real. And he allowed God to deal with him. And, and finally, he knew it was from God. And he, he went. And, uh, and when he go and do what God asked him to do, you know, he was afraid. He was afraid. God said, tonight, oh uh, no, God said, I want you to go and destroy the, the altar that your father has set in your village. Gideon was afraid. He was afraid of the, 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 the villagers, or, you know, the people in the, in the town. He was afraid of his father. What would they do? So what happened is Gideon did it at night. You know? So when we, that's why I told you, when we move in faith, it doesn't mean that we don't have fear. It's just that we overcome our fear. And Gideon was afraid. In fact, when God asked him to do anything, he was always afraid. But every time he seeks for confirmation, he seeks for God's help, and he overcomes his fear every time. That was, that was Gideon. 
You know, some of us by nature may be a little bit negative, may be a little bit like Gideon. But we still can have breakthrough when we keep looking to God and keep pursuing God even though, you know, we, we may feel afraid, nervous and so on. But we keep pursuing God. God will reveal Himself. God will confirm what He says to us so that we can break through. And that was Gideon. Gideon. But there was another man who refused to allow God to work in his life. Even though God has a tremendous plan for him. That is King Saul. King Saul. King Saul have a background a little bit like Gideon. If you were to look at it in 1 Samuel, 1 Samuel 9, What was his, his background? 1 Samuel 9, verse 21. Saul answered, But am I not a Benjamite from the smallest tribe of Israel? And is not my claim the least of all the claims of the tribes of Benjamin? Why do you say such thing to me? So can you see those words that, king, uh, that Saul, before he became king, he spoke to the prophet, Samuel, when, when Samuel revealed God's plan to him in his life, he begins to question. He, he, he talks like Gideon, right? And he said, who am I? You know, our tribe is the smallest and my family, you know, is the smallest of, of, of all the families in, in, in this tribe. So who am I? I'm not qualified. You see? So, so Saul has an inferior self-image because of his background. Right? Because of his background. And he cannot receive what God has for him. So tonight, are there people in our midst because of your background, because of the family background? You really can't believe that God has great things for you. You know, you do believe God, but you just can't believe that you can do great things. And so, uh, Samuel was was, was, was going to anoint Saul as king of Israel. And Saul just couldn't take it and just don't believe it because of his background, right? But what do we do if you are in, in that sort of situation, that sort of background? How can you break through? You know, again, we need to look to God. The Spirit of God came upon Saul in First Samuel 10, Verse 6 and 7. 10, verse 6 and 7. The Spirit of the Lord will come upon you in power, and you will prophesy with them, and you will be changed into a different person. Once these signs are fulfilled, do whatever your hands find to do, for God is with you. So you see another key here. When the Holy Spirit come upon you, you begin to prophesy and then you'll be changed into a different person. Change into a different person. So that's why we need the Holy Spirit. If we, you know, uh, beside an encounter with God and His truth, we need the power of the Holy Spirit inside to change. Change us into a different person from what we, how we perceive ourselves in the past. And... Uh, But unfortunately, unfortunately, well, this thing did happen to Saul. And he knew the power of God. But unfortunately, Saul regressed back into his old self. Instead of carrying on being filled with the Spirit of God and move on to live out this, this new life that God has given to him, empowered with authority, fulfill God's plan purpose, Saul regressed back into his old self. And that's a danger here. For every one of us. You know, when God reveals Himself to us, God speaks to us, we're so excited. Right? For a while. And very often, you see people, after a while, when that feeling was not there, they did not continue to pursue God. They did not continue to allow God to work in their life. They regress back to where they were. And so, during the coronation day, the day when He, was, he is to be crowned with king, uh, as the king of Israel, in fact, Saul has all the advantage. He is a head taller than all the others. He's handsome. You know, if you talk about 
outward appearance that will that will uh, help you to 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 really know who you are. That's not true. That's not true. You can look outwardly smart, strong, tall, handsome, or beautiful, but that is not necessary how you feel inside. And so the Bible tells us he's a head taller than the rest, and he. If you look at the outward, everyone will say, that's it. He's the right person, you know. But inside him, inside him, he's a totally different person. He's just so inferior, so nervous. And when they were to crown him as king, they looked for him. You know what happened? He knew that was, that was coming. He going to hide himself. Can you see how inferior how lack of self-confidence, you know, this 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 soul has about himself. Look at verse um, uh, twenty-one. Then he brought forward the tribe of Benjamin clan by clan, uh, clan and Matrix clan was chosen. Finally, Saul son of Kish was chosen, but when they looked for him, he was not to be found. So they inquired further of the Lord, has the man come here yet? And the Lord said, yes, he has hidden himself among the baggage. They ran and brought him out. And as he stood among the people, he was a head taller than any of the others. Samuel said to all the people, do you see the man the Lord has chosen? There is no one like him among all the people. Then the people shouted, long live the king. You see, he has all the outward Qualification, if you look at outward. But inside, he's just a worm. That's how he sees himself, just a worm. Can you imagine if, if we have a live telecast, you know, we're going to crown so-and-so to be king, and he's going to hit himself behind the baggage? It's a joke, isn't it? You know, that's how, that's how a, def, a, 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 a deficient self-image will cause us to do. Many of us, God has said, you are prince. You are princess. You belong to the King of Kings. You belong to the Lord of Lords. I want you to rule and reign. You know what we do? You, we hid behind baggage. We dare not move out. We dare not do what God wants us to do. Because we have such a low self-image. We always thought, oh, it's someone else. Tonight, are there people you know, who are like that? And if you look back, you see, you look at the reality. Your reality, your present situation, you know, it's not like that. Your present situation is fine. You know, you, you're doing well in life. But because of that self-image, that deficient self-image that was formed from younger days, you're still in prison. You're still not able to walk out and walk into the plan and purpose that God has. You know, experience of the past, your background, even though now you're different. But you just can't. The image is there. The shadow, you're living, living in that shadow and you can't break through into what God has for you. But anyway, he regressed, regressed and God, uh, uh, he was crowned finally and God helped him. And he went out to battle and the Spirit of God was with him. He was able to deliver the nation of Israel. But he never allowed God to deal with his roots. His roots. And, and, and we need to allow God to deal with our roots. Gideon allowed God to deal with his roots. So Gideon was transformed. But not so. So was just sort of, a, uh, you know, uh, wavering. You know, at times he's good. times he, he was bad. Times he, he, he did what God wanted him to do, there are times that he regressed again. So, so Saul was, was like, a bit like that. So the first time when they, they faced the, the Philistine, and Samuel said, I'm going to come and I'm going to offer the sacrifice and pray for you, and then you go to, to battle. And so Saul was, so, was waiting for Samuel to come. And because they waited and waited and waited, it seems that Samuel was late or Samuel was not going to come. The prophet was not going to come. So Saul 
took it upon himself as a king to offer sacrifice. But he should not because he's not a priest. And once he offered a sacrifice, Samuel the prophet came, arrived and uh, rebuked him and, uh, and said, God is not pleased. Right? The second time when they were fighting the Amorites and God said to Saul, King Saul, you have to defeat, uh, to kill every person in, 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 in that land and destroy all the animals. I don't want you to take anything from there. But because of the soldiers, they wanted to keep the, the best of the, 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 the animals. Some give it to God. Some they can, can keep for themselves. And because of that, Saul knew, King Saul knew what God has instructed, but because he wanted to please those people in order to have influence over them, man pleaser, in order to have influence over them, in order that these people will, will, will be loyal to him. And because of that, God rejected Saul as, as king of, of Israel, of the nation of Israel. So you can see that Saul never did allow God to deal with that inferior roots, you know, inferior self-image about himself. And he never sort of mature and, and, and become the man that God wants him to be and, and reign in the nation of Israel. So he loses the destiny that God has for him. So once again, we see that if we have a wrong self-image, we continue in that wrong self-image, we're going to live out that life and we're going to lose up what God has for us, you know, what God has planned for us. Okay, so we move on to the New Testament. I want to talk to you about Simon Peter. Simon Peter, when he first, he was first introduced by his brother, Andrew, to Jesus. Jesus saw him, look at him, and Jesus knew his future. The future that God has for him. So in John chapter 1, verse 42. So Andrew brought uh, Peter to Jesus. Jesus looked at him and said, You are Simon, son of John. You will be called Cephas, which when translated is Peter. You know, so when, when Jesus looked at Peter, he knew that God has a destiny for him. Now, Simon, you know, his name is Simon. That's his identity. But he's going to have a new identity. God is going to give him a new identity. He's going to call Cephas or, 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 or Peter. In the Bible, names are important, right? Names represent our identity because it describes us. You know, God gave uh, Abram a new name, you know, and said, you're going to call yourself Abraham because you're going to be fathers of nations. Something is going to happen to you. You're going to have a new identity instead of being called, you know, and, and known as the man without any descendants, any children. You're going to be called the fathers of nations. You're having a new identity. So change your name, Abraham. Sarai to Sarah. God changed Jacob's name. Instead of being a, a deceiver, a cheat. He said, now you have a new identity. You're Israel, a prince of God. You see, so names are important. So, so Jesus saw, uh, looked into Peter and he knew that God has a destiny. God has a future for Peter. And, and, and he's going to call Peter the, the little rock. You know, now his name Simon is sort of uh, swearing reef. You see, that was his name. The meaning of his name, Simon. His natural self. But God is saying, you are going to take on a new identity. You're going to call Peter. When would that take place? When would Peter or Simon had a new identity? What has got to take place before he can have a new identity? What has got to take place in your life? So that you can cast away the old identity and begin to live in this new identity. What has got to take place in your life? We look at those, 
those men, Moses and so on, encounter with God, encounter with the truth of God, have the Holy Spirit to, to come upon uh, their life because of God's presence with them. So, so these are uh, important keys. But look into the, uh, the, the, the life of Peter. And, and I want you to turn to Matthew 16 now. Matthew 16. We're going to read verse 13. 13. When Jesus came to the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, uh, sorry, uh, Matthew 16, 13, Who do people say the Son of Man is? They replied, Some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, and still others Jeremiah or one of the prophets. But what about you? He asked. What? Uh, who do you say I am? Simon Peter answered, You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. Jesus replied, Blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, for this was not revealed to you by men, but by my Father in heaven. And I tell you that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell, or Hades, will not overcome it. I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. Whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. And whatever you lose on earth will be loose in heaven. So, this is a particular moment that Peter begins to enter into the destiny that God has for, you, for him and begins to enter into his new identity as Peter. So, what actually took place. Jesus asked the people, uh, asked us disciples, who do the people say the Son of Man is? And they say all sort of things. You see, our experience revealed to us about God. Some of us, we are so blessed by God, so we know God as a blesser. He blesses us. He's a good God. He blesses us. Some of us were healed by God. And so we say, hey, God is our healer. Some of us, you know, we have experienced deliverance. We say God is our deliverer. And, and, and he knows everything, you know, because we have received prophecy, you know, uh, prophetic words and, and so on. So this is how people uh, describe Jesus through their experience. They say he's Elijah, they say he's John the Baptist, Jeremiah, and one of the prophets. But Jesus was not so much interested in what people say or what, you know, other, uh, what people say. He was interested in what the disciples say who he is. And tonight, you know, you can give all the right answer. You know, the Bible says Jesus is the Son of God. The Bible says this, you know, he's a priest, he's a prophet, and so on. You can, you can say that. But Jesus is not interested in what you think other people say or what the Bible say. Jesus wants to know what do you think, who he is. Who do you think he is? Right? Because some people say, oh, the church teach me. No, Jesus say, who do you think I am? Right? It's important. Because when we know him, when we truly know him, We'll, have, we'll enter into our new identity. Tonight, do you know Jesus? Or do you have a partial knowledge of Jesus? You know, all those things you know about Jesus are true. And it's right. But do you have the revelation of who exactly Jesus is? Simon Peter answered, You are the Christ. You are the sent one. The Messiah. You are the son of the living God. And, and Jesus replied, Blessed are you, Simon son of Jonah. Blessed are you. So tonight, you know, when we have true revelation of who Jesus really is, we are blessed. Because then you will truly know who you are. Until then, you will not be able to know truly who you are. 
Okay, so what's so significant about this this confession, this revelation about who Jesus is? We got to appreciate the Jews. When Peter was able to say, you are the son of the living God. He's saying, Jesus, the son of man, the son of man. Because Jesus said, who do people say the son of man is? In other words, Jesus is asking him, the man that, stand, that, that stood in front of you, this man that you come to know, who can be tired, who can be thirsty, who can get angry at times, this man who needed sleep, who needed food, this man, the son of man, who do you think this son of man is? And Peter said, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. You see, for a Jew to say someone, some man is the son of God, is saying that, hey, you are God. You are God. If you are wrong, that's blasphemy against God and you deserve to be stoned to death. You know, to say this man is the son of God, they know. When I say he's the son of God, that means he's equal with God. He's God. And that's why this revelation is so powerful as far as, you know, how Jesus take it, you know, from Peter. He said, blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah. For this was not revealed to you by men, but by my Father in heaven. For Peter to come into this complete revelation about who Jesus is, he had few encounters, remember? First he met with Jesus. Jesus said, hey, you will be, you'll be Cosiphus one of these days. And then the fishing boat, he catch no fish. And Peter said, go to the deep and cast your net. And they caught fish. So he had some encounter with Jesus. And he was on a boat. There was a big storm. A storm and uh, well, they were afraid that they are going to be drowned. And Jesus, they called Jesus. Jesus woke up and calmed the storm. So he had encounters after encounters after encounters with Jesus. Sometimes we need it. We need more than one encounter with Jesus. You know, our encounters may just reveal certain aspects about who Jesus is. But we need to have a complete revelation of who Jesus is. And this revelation is the Son of Man. It's the Christ. It's the Son of the Living God. Okay? This human Jesus that walked on this earth 2,000 over years ago is the Christ. It's the Son of God. And so... Jesus said, I tell you that you are Peter. Remember in John 1, he said, you will be called Cephas, Peter. But now he said, you are Peter. You are Peter. So the change comes when the revelation of who Jesus is came into his life. So tonight, we really need a, a, a revelation of who Jesus is so that we, can, we know who we are in him. And uh, just let me just say a little bit and then we're going to take a break. You see, with every one of these people who receive a revelation of who they are, the new identity that they have, is associated with their destiny in God. It's associated with the, 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 the purpose that God has for their life. You know, Jacob become Israel. God says, all the nations will be blessed through you. Okay, Moses, when he had a, a new identity of who he really is, he was sent out to deliver the nation of Israel. Gideon, God says, you're a mighty warrior. And he has to go out to deliver the nation of Israel and enter into his uh, uh, destiny. Joshua and Caleb, again, you see, 
they they lead the nation of Israel into the promised land. And uh, Saul, God has also given him a, a destiny, uh, and, uh, and and wanting him to 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 take on a new new identity as king rather than as a uh, a defeated person. Simon Peter, Jesus said, "You are Peter. Upon this rock will I build my church." So I want you to know that it's so important that you know your identity in God, in Christ Jesus, because that will tell you about your destiny. That will tell you the reason why you live on this earth. But when we don't know our identity, remember Satan come and, and, and tempt us. When we don't know our identity, we lose the plan and destiny God has for us. Because we will live out our perceived identity that we have on the inside. Okay? So it's so important that we know who we are.